But that was a very interesting video you should look up on the New York Times about how forest fires work. And it just talks about how you can start with the smallest little thing, even a cigarette that's not properly put out. And all of a sudden it can build, right? The heat grows and grows and grows. And then you saw just those incredible uh, pictures of just devastation. Uh, we've probably seen this on the news, right? Where you see somebody just walking through an area that has been damaged by these fires. And the numbers are astronomical. Uh, they will talk about how many thousands of acres and acres. And I don't even know how big an acre is, so that's really hard for me, right? But they're like, this fire burnt 200,000 acres of forest land. I'm like, whoa, that's big. And it's always funny because it's such a small thing, right? Like we know um, from the Smokey Bear commercials, right? As kids, only you can prevent forest fires that it's just dumb things, that sometimes it's arsonists, sometimes it's lightning, sometimes it's a smoker, sometimes it's just a family that didn't put the campfire out. You do a small thing, and you can literally devastate an entire community. And it's interesting because this is one of the, mo um, one of the definitions that the Apostle James, not the Apostle James, the brother of Jesus James, who wrote the book of James, tells us uh, that our mouths are like. This is the way that our words work. That one minute you can be doing all right and then you can say something and the whole world just burns with your mistake. Can you get the lights, Preston? Yeah, sorry, I put them down for the movie. Um, so have you ever done this? Have you ever had that moment where you said something and you didn't realize the import of what you were about to say and then all of a sudden you were in the middle of something you didn't realize you were in the middle of? Uh, my favorite story in my life along these lines, uh, and forgive me if you've been here a long time, you may have heard this. Uh, I was in a government class in high school, and we were studying laws, and we were asking, are there laws that are kind of oppressive or unfair to people? And there was this one girl in our class that was kind of weird, and she started talking about public breastfeeding laws and uh, statutory rape laws as oppressive laws. Now, if you knew me in high school, you would know that I was a big mouth that thought I was smarter than everyone else. I'm now a big mouth that knows that I'm not exactly smarter than everyone else. But anyways, back then, I was even worse of a jerk than I can be sometimes today. And so I raised my hand and I let into it. And this really stupid thing is I, I gave an opinion on the public breastfeeding that I wouldn't hold at all today. Like if I could go back and talk to myself as a senior in high school, I would just slap myself upside the head and be like, listen, idiot, have a couple children and then you'll have different feelings, you know? So I did all that. But then my grand finale is I went on for about three minutes about that. And then I said, and as far as statutory rape, if there's any guy in the world that wants to be with a girl under 18, he's a pervert and we should throw him in jail. At which point the entire class goes, <gasps> and it gets real quiet. And I'm like, what's going on guys and my friend looks at me and goes you have no idea what you just did do you and I was like no turns out that this girl who had made this comment was in the middle of a legal battle with her parents because she had married a 35 year old man from Kroger's who bags groceries and everyone in the school except me knew that this 17-year-old girl was married to a 35-year-old man and that her parents were trying to take him to court and that it was a huge big mess and I had just called her husband a pervert who needed to be thrown into jail. Um, when he showed up to prom, 
in, I kid you not, a Michael Jackson outfit. White socks, pants up halfway the calf. I was like, I hope this guy doesn't punch me, right? You know, like, oops. Because I had no idea what I was saying. And you do that sometimes, right? You say something and you just don't know the context. Um, you do this a lot in couples. If you've dated or been married, you know that sometimes you say something and it means nothing to you. And all of a sudden someone is crying or yelling at you. And you're like, I, I, all I did was say that I don't like Taco Bell. I don't understand, right? You know, you say something and it just doesn't work right. And it's, you know, that fire metaphor is really apt. There are times that we say little things and by the time that it gets out of our mouth, we look around and the whole place is scorched earth. And we think, what did I do? How did this happen? And James, in his letter, gives us these thoughts about our tongues and talking and how talking can get us into trouble. Starts out here, James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So there's a couple of interesting little things here early on. The first is this whole thing about be careful being a teacher, right? Don't sign up to teach God's people. And this is something I don't think we think of. We tend to think of God as a, uh, the, this letter already has talked about not showing favoritism. And so we tend to sort of have this attitude like, all people are treated the same in God's eyes. And there's ways in which that is true. But James says, if you sign up to be a teacher of God's people, you are signing yourself up for extra judgment. One day when God evaluates how you lived your life, if you're a teacher, he's not going to look at you the same as somebody who just sat in a pew. He's going to have some more questions about how you did your job. Uh, you maybe have noticed if you're a member of our church, we're a pretty democratic church. There are very few things that is not open to everyone. Uh, if you're here for two or three weeks, you can be on the budget committee, right? Like we just, we let people take roles. Uh, if you're part of our church and you're investing in our church, we let you have roles in that church, right? The one thing that maybe you've noticed that we've never done signups for is preaching or teaching our small group Bible studies. You've noticed I've never had a clipboard that said, hey, if you want to sign up to preach next week, please do. And part of the reason we don't is the scriptures are really clear that teaching is a really important thing, that there is a kind of authority that a teacher or a preacher wields in a community that you have to be cautious with, and there is high accountability for that. It's not really much of the sermon, it's just something James said, and so I thought I would address it quickly. The other thing he says which is really interesting, more on our tongue, is he says, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Have you ever seen someone that has great body control? Uh, maybe have you, ever, um, have you ever seen the Cirque du Soleil, right? One of these European-style circuses. Sometimes they have these, like, extreme yoga people where it's usually a guy and a girl and, like, the leotards. And they're, like, doing these things where, like, she's, her hands are on his hands and she's upside down. Or they're, like, balancing both their bodies on one person's pinky toe. Just, like, this crazy body control, Right? James says, listen, if you could learn to never shoot off your mouth the wrong way, you're going to be a perfect person. You're going to be in control of your entire body. If you are always cautious about what you say, you will not be a lustful person. You won't be a greedy person. You won't rob. You won't steal. 
You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to murder any of the other stuff you can control if you can manage your mouth, which is an amazing kind of thought. He says, this is what's the hardest thing for us. The hardest thing for you is not speaking when you need not speak. And it's kind of interesting that he opens all this to say, what I'm about to say is so important that if you do this right, the rest of you will be in total control. James 3, 3 through 4. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants it to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by humankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Um, sometimes... Uh, we like to have things that we can just shrug off and not worry about, right? Um, I don't know if any of you are this way. Some people are doctor avoiders, right? They can find ways to shrug off any medical concern they may have. You know, they may walk in and their skin is purple, and they're like, I've been purple for a couple of weeks, but I just thought it would go away, right? I am sure that Emily can give us incredible examples of people that come in with things that are just terrible. And they're like, oh, I thought it was no big deal. I figured it would just go, I'd take a couple aspirin and it would be fixed. And we can be this way. We can try to avoid major problems in our lives. There's things that we can say are not a big deal. And what James says here is this is a big deal. Do not sit around thinking that the way that you speak to other people or to yourself is just a little thing. It's not a thing to go, oh, it's not a big deal. I'll take a couple aspirin and it'll go away. It's not something you can avoid. This is something you need to confront. He talks about it as a poisonous snake that never sleeps, right? Um, you can just imagine a snake in your house that's got venom that's just moving around. And as you start to nap off, its head perks up and looks at you. This is exactly what your tongue is. If you turn your back for a minute on it, you are going to get yourself in trouble. And it's constantly lurking. And we could ask James, why is this such a big deal? Why is this so dangerous? And he gives us, I think, three, three reasons. He says part of the danger of this is there's a domino effect of this. Right? This tongue affects the whole rest of your life. And it causes more problems. Uh, we opened by talking about the idea of a wildfire, right? That small spark creates a big fire. He gives us some more examples. Uh, he talks about bits in a horse's mouth that you can, I don't know, bits are what? This big? You can take a piece of metal about this big, shove it in a horse's mouth, and you can move the entire six, seven, eight hundred pound beast, right? With just one little piece of metal. He talks about a big sailboat that might have a little rudder, but if you use it right, you can direct a sailboat. I went on a rabbit trail of watching YouTube videos about the physics of sailing this week. And it's really cool the way that winds work and the way that rudders provide counterforce and 
all this stuff. It's really interesting. But again, it's a very small thing. Um, if we had, we could talk today about cars. We don't think about it anymore, but with power steering, it is a marvel that I can go like this and move an entire, you know, one and a half ton car or whatever, just, uh, just with a little move of a steering wheel. And James says, that's the way your tongue works. You do one little thing and it does lots of things. I think we could argue that this is the, this is true on the positive sense too. You never know what little things make a huge effect uh, when you say something kind. Uh, there's some people who really just set their day alight by just saying, oh, hey, I like that shirt. You know, I don't know. There's sometimes you can really do powerful things by the way you speak. And James says all of these things can be like dominoes that keep on going. Um, and because of that, there's no such thing as a little problem with your mouth. Okay, because it amplifies into a bigger problem once the dominoes fall. The little spark becomes a fire. Another way to think about this is there is no such thing as a little bit of arsenic in your soup, right? You know, like you're not asking, hey, can I put, and my chemist friends may tell me there might be such a thing as a little bit of arsenic in your soup, but you know what I mean. Like you just, there's certain substances you don't, eat, you know, a little bit doesn't matter. You know, I don't want just a little bit of cancer, right? A little bit is not good. And James in the same way says, one little mistake with your tongue can be a gigantic mistake. Um, second of all, it also taints everything else. Once you start talking a certain way, you are going to start feeling and thinking and acting different ways. It's like food dye and water. It just spreads and becomes uh, pervasive. Um, it's really easy for us in, in Western culture to compartmentalize in our minds. We do this really well. Or like, well, listen, when I'm at work around a certain amount of certain kind of people and everyone's joking around, I can talk a certain way because that's only at work with those kinds of friends and I never do it anywhere else. And James would say, that's ridiculous. If you talk that way anywhere, it's going to start to seep into the rest of your body. It's going to start to seep into your mind. You, you know, you just you can't have your your messing around time. You can't have these special spaces where you stop trying to be formed into the image of Jesus and then think you can pick that back up somewhere else. Our, our, our persons are an integral whole. And how we act at 2 a.m. on Saturday evening is going to affect how we act on Sunday morning at church or on Monday afternoon at the office. Those things creep in and how we speak matters and it goes into the rest of our personhood. Um, and I think we get this. I mean, I just had a couple thoughts here. Um, have you ever had a time where you said something and you didn't mean to say it and you immediately felt kind of sick to your stomach for having said it? Or have you had maybe a moment um, where you, um, what do I have here? Where someone repeats back at you the words you said? And you just feel differently about it. Your body physically feels different when you hear it. These are all just kind of ways we see where we just, we do feel it. If you've never had that, you know, throat, uh, stomach in your throat feeling of you said something, you go, oh, I shouldn't have done it. James tells us that's true because all of you is getting wrapped up in this. Uh, also, you maybe know the regret or even depression over saying something you wish you hadn't and then you can't take it back. And then you dwell and you dwell and you dwell and you dwell on it. James says the way that you speak takes over the rest of you. And finally, um, he makes this really interesting connection with what happens with our tongue and the way Satan works in our life. 
Now, whenever I, we talk about Satan, I feel like we do have to take a timeout, right? This is like, what? what are we talking about? We're talking about a guy in a red suit. What's happening here? Um, this is bizarre. Uh, I'm not sure I believe in this stuff. Why are we talking about Satan? And all I would say uh, is that's a great conversation that we could have another day. Um, I would say that for James and the teachers of the New Testament, they are confident that evil is personal. That there are people and forces and beings in the world that try to do evil stuff. And I would say that if you watch the news much, you probably could be convinced of that, right? If you've ever seen somebody on the TV doing something and you're like, how did they come up with something that evil? You know, like, how did they think to do that? What kind of human being comes up with that? Some of the biblical answer is because there's other stuff in this world. There's stuff beyond what we see that affects it. And it's interesting. He talks about a fire and he says that our tongue can start a fire, but the tongue itself is sparked to fire by hell. And the way I take that is that Satan, evil in the world, is scheming to make the world a worse place. And Satan knows that your tongue is the best place to start. Why should you care about how you speak? Because it has a domino effect, because it can taint the rest of you, and because it's the number one place where evil starts. It's evil's number one target. Because if you can get the tongue going one way, the rest of the sailboat goes with it. And so, you know, from a, it's like a basketball game. You've got one player that you know is the best one. You're going to try to guard yourself against that player, right? This is the same way. Your tongue is the best way to mess up your life. And so it's the number one thing that you need to work on protecting. Because otherwise you're going to mess everything up. Passage continues. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Um, this is a really simple teaching that we see a lot in the Bible, that um, you are like a spring of water, and at the root of that spring is what comes out. Jesus talks about how our words are the overflow of our hearts. And what James says is he goes directly to that compartmentalization idea I had a minute ago. You cannot compartmentalize this stuff. You cannot Talk like an angry sailor one, one minute, and then five minutes later be a good, holy person. One of those is the truth, and one of those is a lie. Because we're integral wholes. We're people. We can't switch stuff on and off. And this is a great lie of kind of Western thinking. And this isn't, I'm not talking about like the media. This is in kind of our Greco-Roman philosophical system that we've got in place in our brains. This idea that we have little switches that we can turn on and off. And our, our cruel speech can be turned on and off. That coarse joking can be turned on and off. That over-sexualized language can be turned on and off. That cursing at people can be turned on and off. And James says, you are not an electrical switch. You are a tree. And that tree is bearing fruit. If it's a fig tree, it's fig tr fruit. 
fig fruit? I don't know if that's what you call it. Fig Newtons. Anyways, if it's a fig tree, it's something with figs. But if it's a uh, pineapple tree, it's pineapples, right? Uh, we sing this silly song. Uh, I don't know if pineapples come on trees. Anyways, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I did not fully think this metaphor. We sing a song in VBS sometimes with kids. Uh, the fruit of the spirit's not a pineapple. The fruit of the spirit's not a pineapple. If you want to be a pineapple, then go ahead and be it. But you can't be a fruit of the spirit because they're... And that talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? All of these things that the Holy Spirit brings. And the idea is, if you want to be a pineapple, go ahead. But that's not a fruit of the spirit. If you want to be a foul-mouthed, filthy-mouthed, angry, mean, nasty-speaking person... That's fine, but don't think you're going to be a Jesus-speaking person the next minute. It doesn't work that way. It's one or the other. And it's just a challenge uh, to us um, to, be, to be authentic in who we are. So the thing that's really concerning about this passage, James gives us not much help, okay? If this was a modern sermon about how to speak, there would now be, but don't worry, let the Holy Spirit come in, it'll fix things, do these four or five practices, and it'll start to train your mind. James doesn't do that. James has this very, I, I've read the whole passage for today. James basically says, tongue's really dangerous, here's why it's dangerous, be an authentic person. And then subtext, good luck. And he moves on to his next passage, right? There's no help. It's very frustrating. I don't know why James is doing this to us. And it brings up just a real truth that I think we have to understand and work through. And that's that this is just a hard process that we've got to work through in our life. There is not an easy way to fix this. As James said, if you fixed this, you wouldn't have any more sin problems. And so this one's going to take a long time to tackle. Now the Bible helps us. It tells us things about uh, Jesus talks about the overflow of our hearts. We need to be mindful of our thought life, the things we think about, the things we dwell on. Uh, you know, and this, some of this gets into entertainment. The things that you watch and the things that you consume, what does that do to your heart? Uh, what, kind of excuse me, what kind of person does it make you, right? You know, is there a thrash metal song that you love listening to that just makes you angry by the time it's done and then you're mean to other people? I don't know. I'm trying to pick something random. But, like, you know, what are we, what are we processing um, in our head. But generally speaking, there's not a lot of help here. There's no special techniques. And so we just have to work through it like we work through anything, which is we pray about it, we study about it, we ask for the Spirit's help, and then you know what else? You just work hard too. You just train. There comes a need to find ways to practice using your tongue right and evaluate when you use it wrong. There's just this thing that Christians, the followers of Jesus have to do where we say, how did I do today? Uh, it helps to have someone else. You guys, um, if you ever get into an argument with me that includes texts or emails, at some point I've looked at Fran and said, read this email and tell me why I messed this up, right? Because I'm just trying to be better about it. Um, it's just something we have to work on. And James doesn't give us special answers because it's a long, hard slog that we're going to cooperate in. Now, don't get me right. I'm not saying that God leaves us helpless. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't help. I'm not saying that prayer isn't important. Okay, we believe, Christians generally believe in all of those things and things that we're developing. But some of it is you just have got to work at it. 
and you got to care. Um, cause the reality is we live in a culture that doesn't care. If you want to say something nasty about someone else, you can just lie the next day and say you didn't say it. And then when someone shows tape of you saying it, you go, well, I mean, it's not really what I meant. And that's just you making stuff up, right? Like not that we'd ever see this anywhere, right? This is the world that we live in where your words don't matter anymore. And God says, no, your words matter. And you're responsible for them. So grow up, be a big kid, and start using your tongue better. Like, uh, this does not feel like a very Christian thing to say, but this is kind of the message of James. This will screw your life up. Stop doing it. It's kind of like, I could give you great reasons why you shouldn't be a crack addict, but in the end, don't do it because it's really bad for you, okay? Like, that's all we really need to say. There's reasons why you should not eat four pizzas a day. It's really unhealthy. And so... Here, be careful with your mouth because it's just going to get you in all kinds of trouble. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, if you're new to us, we do question and answer at the end of every sermon uh, where we try to give you a chance to talk back. We feel like church should not just be speaking at you. It should be speaking with you. And so this is your context to ask questions. You can ask about the passage, about the application, uh, anything that you're curious about, we would love for you to ask a question about. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it certainly wasn't kind. Uh, I used it more as an example, not of speaking poorly. Well, I used an example of speaking without thinking. The biggest problem there was I gave no thought to the situation. Um, yeah, I still am in favor of statutory rape laws, if that's what you're asking. But, um, but yeah, I mean, um, generally... The complete motivation of my tongue was to make myself look smarter than that girl because conquering other people is something I enjoyed doing verbally when I was in high school. So I just really wanted to win. Sometimes we're going to make people feel bad. Like you can say the most loving, kind thing in the world and it's going to make somebody upset. So I don't think that's it's not about whether or not they feel bad, but there is a question of did I do it with loving motives, right? Uh, I don't think so. I, we weren't really best friends. Um, if I tried, <laughs> if we tried to Facebook friend her, I think she probably would not accept. So, no, it wasn't healthy. And you know, like I said, man. I mean, yeah. So there are um, one of my favorite passages uh, in the Bible because of the kind of person I am. Uh, there's a passage in Deuteronomy where Moses gets done passing out the law. And he goes, now listen, uh, we know this passage because there's this famous phrase, choose life that you may live. And that passage then gets kidnapped to do all sorts of things. But in that passage, Moses goes, here's the deal. This isn't hard. You do not need to ascend to heaven to get an angel to help you do this. You don't have to dig yourself to the core of the earth to find a magical mystery trick to do this. Just do it, stupid. Like, just do it. Just do good stuff. I've told you good things to do and bad things not to do. Do the good things. Don't do the bad things. It's not that hard. And I love that because it's Moses just exasperated with the people, right? Like, I don't know what else to tell you guys. Just behave. And yes, so I think that there are times in biblical theology where the theme is, you know what, enough. Just do what you're told. And so, yeah, I think there might be some of that. Yeah, um, yeah we... <laughs> I guess I would just say 
we uh, we're smart enough that we know things that affect us. So if I'm sad and I get on Facebook, I'm going to get into an argument about politics because there's something wrong in my neural pathways that goes, you're sad, you should go yell at somebody for being an idiot, right? Uh, I, th- I mean, that's right up there with like, you know, throw the air conditioner out the window from a few weeks ago, right? Like this is not a logical thing of like, oh, I'm having a bad day. Let's do it worse by like getting into a six-way brawl on social media, right? But I know I do that. And so, yeah, there's just things that we do that we know are bad for us. Um, it could be little things like Fran the other day goes, I know that you really like this song and it makes you drive faster, but we have our kids in the car. You need to slow down. Right? Like she just knew uh, when I was in high school and we did band concerts and I had to wear a tuxedo to school. I was screaming down the roads like James Bond because I was in a tuxedo in a car, you know, like it's silly. I mean, these are all dumb examples, but it's like a Red Bull and get an argument. Like there's just certain things that we do that cause us to get into bad places. Um, You know, for people that have struggled with going places online that they don't want to go. Some of us know that if you log in at 2 a.m. and you need to go to bed, it's possible that you're going to get on a website you shouldn't be getting on, right? It's just we know that's the way our brains work. We know those are the things that happen to us. And so just being wise to not do it. We know that if a certain coworker does something and we talk to them immediately, we're going to get in trouble about talking to our coworker. Whereas if we go out for lunch, get a coffee, slow down, and come back four hours later, we're going to do it more respectfully. We're just all, I think, smart enough to know we do some of those things. And that's just part of self-control, which does go back to this idea of the Holy Spirit, right? That the Bible talks about when we're filled with the Spirit, we have self-control, that we don't do stupid things we know we shouldn't do. Um, And so that gets where it's more deeper into the abiding with God and having a relationship with God so that the Spirit fills your life and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is one of those classic passages we totally explain away. Someone's like, does Jesus mean I really need to pluck my eyes out? We're like, oh, no, Jesus means you don't have to give anything away. And we're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Hyperbole does not mean it means the opposite, you know. And so, uh, but yeah, man, there's, there's some stuff. You know, for some people that have real strong addiction, you know, I mean, an example I've, I've seen in my life. Uh, I've known guys that have had some sort of sexual addiction where they just literally can't be trusted with an Internet that is unencumbered. You know, and so they have to get special software that blocks certain sites and gives accountability with other people or whatever. And that is them plucking out their own eye, right? For the, I mean, geez, give up your cell phone, that would be plucking out your own eye, right? I mean, like, but they have to. Yeah, you're right. It's just they have to make choices to not put themselves in situations where they say and do things that they don't want to say and do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had a moment. We were, we were working through uh, the evaluation to be church planners. And part of that evaluation was a group project. And there was an issue that I knew I was right on and this other guy was wrong on. And we fought and did our gorilla chest pounding thing for a while on it. And when it was over, one of the coaches came up and she said, Caleb, why'd you do that? And I said, because I was right. And she's like, yeah, that's a stupid reason. Why'd you do it? And I was like, because I'm right. She's like, nobody cares if you're right. I was like, yes, they do. She was like, no, really? You caused a big hairy mess and caused all sorts of fractured relationship just so that you could be big man and prove you're right. And that's just, that is a bad way to go through life. And I was like, okay, 
accepted that meekly and annoyed. But nonetheless, you know, like there's there's moments where we have that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's where it comes down to is uh, it also helps if you read stories of like, uh, you know, like a classic example is St. Augustine or Augustine, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, Augustine was a real jerk. I think he's still kind of a jerk after he becomes a Christian. But anyways, like he's just a big jerk. And he, his story is just about how God took a real jerk and turned him into one of the most famous Christian theologians ever because of his understanding of grace. And so, yeah, there's great stories of Christian transformation where God has changed people's lives. And it's helpful for me when I read a story of somebody who is just totally terrible that changed to go, oh, okay, I, I'm not that far gone. I've got a shot, you know. Um, and so I think that's just helpful to hear other people's journey that way.